Hello everybody, it is Michael and I'm back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support on the show. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to like. If you're listening on an audio platform, make sure to download. Uh, make sure to check out my clips channel linked in the description. And yeah, let's just get right into it. We got a lot to talk about today. We got uh, some playoff games. The conference finals are almost here. And then we got uh, some first week takeaways from the NFL. So first, I want to talk about... Uh, Rockets versus Lakers. This series was very, very disappointing. Uh, the Rockets, just such a disappointment, man. Uh, game four, they came out extremely flat, especially uh, in the first half. It was looking really, really bad. Uh, James Harden shot terrible this game, 2 of 11, 1 of 6 from 3. I know they're doubling him, but he's still got to be way better. I mean, he still got 10 assists, got to the free throw line a lot, but it was a very, very bad game. He just looked so uh, laid back. He was so unassertive. Uh, P.J. Tucker, zero points. Robert Covington, only three points. I mean, Eric Gordon was good. Russell Westbrook was really trying to will them back, especially in that fourth quarter. But it was just too little too late. They were down by way too much, and even though they went on a nice little run and made it uh, closer than anyone expected... It just wasn't enough with how bad they played. It was just a really bad look, and it was even worse because they had some guys who stepped up and uh, played some solid minutes off the bench. Austin Rivers was good in the minutes he played. Jeff Green continues to be good for this team. Uh, ben McLemore came in, hit all three of his threes. Uh, but the team just didn't look good. They just, again, looked so unenergetic. They looked so unmotivated. In a must-win game, uh, going down 3-1 to the Lakers, you're not going to come back from that. You just can't come out and perform like that. It was it was so embarrassing. Like I turned off the game at a certain point because I was just like, I don't care about this game anymore because they just look terrible. And the thing is, the thing that's more frustrating, I would understand if the Lakers were just playing like incredible basketball. And they're playing solid. They're playing good. Uh, don't get me wrong, but they're not playing so crazy where it's like it's impossible for the Rockets to win. It's more just the Rockets not playing good. Like LeBron had 16 points on 17 shots, missed all five of his threes. Still had a very nice all-around game, 15 rebounds, nine assists, three steals, and overall played well. Uh, but you got to take advantage of that when he's not being playoff LeBron. And he's only playing 33 minutes because they were that bad. Uh, Anthony Davis, I mean, he scored 29 on phenomenal efficiency. He's going to dominate this team like we expected. Uh, and then the role players were actually pretty solid for the Lakers. Uh, KCP, 4 of 6. Danny Green hit two of his five threes. Uh, Rajon Rondo continues to be really good. Nearly had a triple-double in only 28 minutes. Uh, Alex Caruso was great off the bench for them. 16 points, hit two of his five threes. Has been playing really aggressive and gritty on the defensive end. And, yeah, the Lakers, I mean, uh, as long as their role players can step up and play solid, it's going to be really, really hard to beat them, especially uh, when AD and LeBron are playing well. Uh, if guys like Danny Green are hitting shots, if guys like KCP are hitting shots, man, that's difficult because the duo of AD and LeBron is just so incredible. Uh, and even though I don't think they will, uh, in the next series, I'd still love them to run that small ball more. Obviously, guys like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard are going to play more, but I'd still love to see a lot more AD at center. It just brings so much more space in having like Markeith Morris out there, and I just love to see it. 
because uh, it opens up the game so much for Anthony Davis. And I know it's not exactly what he wants, but I think he's got to realize at a certain point that him not playing center is holding himself back and is really limiting what he can do. Like, obviously, he's still going to dominate, but with all the spacing, with him being able to run way more pick and roll with LeBron, it's just dominant. So I definitely want to see that going into next series because uh, they were forced to do it this series, but I think just moving on, it would just be the best thing for them. And then, man, this Game 5, this is what was even more disappointing. Like, Game 4 was an embarrassment uh, considering that it was a must-win. But for them to go out like this was just so sad, especially because James Harden played very, very well. Uh, 30 points on 60%. Three-point shot struggled a bit. But he played very solid. Russell Westbrook had an atrocious game. 4 of 13, 10 points, 0 of 3 from 3, even only 2 of his 6 free throws. It was just bad out there. And the Lakers... Uh, the Lakers' strategy of doubling James Harden worked so well throughout the series, and it was really sad to see the Rockets' just lack of adjustments to that uh, because they were just letting Russell Westbrook shoot, and he could not do anything. He was terrible for almost this entire series, and it, whenever they forced him to make a decision, he just couldn't. He would take a, a three when he should have gone in and tried to go to the mid-range area even his mid-ranges weren't really hitting that well and it was just so bad and it really showed all the Rockets flaws obviously their lack of size uh but other than James Harden Russell Westbrook they basically don't have any ball handling I mean they have guys who can drive but they don't really have another guy who can really create a shot except for like Austin Rivers but he's not going to be playing that many minutes so uh, they definitely need to make some adjustments because uh, when Russell Westbrook is out there and they're doubling James Harden uh, and he's forced to make the smart play or try and make a three, it's just not going to work. And teams are going to start doing this way more uh, if they, well, with teams seeing how effective it was for the Lakers. Like, this strategy is going to be something we see way more, and they're going to need to make a change so we can just. Uh, have more ball handling because it's embarrassing when uh, you get, have guys who can sh- shoot and can go in a straight line but can't do anything else and then you their offense is just so stagnant and stuck and yeah it was just so bad like the three-point shots weren't hitting uh that they, they shot 13 for 49 like ben mclemore three of nine uh, austin rivers one of five jeff green one of three uh, James Harden, 2 of 8, Russell Westbrook, 0 of 3, P.J. Tucker, 2 of 6. Like, it was just ugly, ugly. And if you look at some of these plus minuses, it's atrocious. Like, P.J. Tucker in 28 minutes was a minus 38. It was terrible out there. It was just such a disappointment. And, yeah, so disappointed in the Rockets team because I actually liked the idea of the small ball, how uh, much they were going into it, and... It just didn't work. A truly embarrassing performance by their two stars. Uh, I mean, James Harden played pretty well throughout the series. It was more on Russell Westbrook for sure, and then more just on the coaching as a whole. The coaching was terrible, and it makes sense that Mike uh, D'Antoni's gone. And then on the Lakers side, I mean, the Lakers are playing really well. I don't want to discredit them at all. Like, LeBron had a great game, 29 points, uh, very efficient. 
obviously he's going to do his thing, be a well-rounded player. And the thing is, AD, AD didn't even play well this game. He only shot four of nine. Uh, but Marquise Moore, Mar- Markeith Morris was great this game, brought some very nice energy, hit four of his four threes. He was super hot uh, to start the game at 16 overall, only missed one shot. Danny Green hit four of his six threes. Uh, uh, KCP hit two of his three Kyle Kuzma, three of six. Like, it was a really impressive performance. And with them having this many guys step up for them, that's a scary sight to see for sure if they can start to get rolling. And then obviously it's LeBron and AD they're going to dominate. And the way they shot the three ball was incredible, 51%. Uh, And then just like I said, the defense, the strategy they put with the James Harden double, uh, they definitely refined it because they were doubling earlier in the series, but it wasn't really working because they were doubling a little too aggressive. And then a lot of uh, there was a lot of open shots, but the coaching was really impressive. And just the way they doubled uh, worked really well. Very good performance by the Lakers. Uh, I love the momentum they have. And especially not to get ahead of myself, but with with how the Clippers are playing, the Lakers should feel so good right now. And yeah, I've just been really impressed by how the Lakers have performed and that's super disappointed by the Rockets. Now I want to talk about the Rockets' future as a whole. Uh, they got a very, very interesting future ahead of them. They have a coaching decision to make as uh, Mike D'Antoni and them have parted ways. And I definitely like that move uh, for both sides just because I don't think Mike D'Antoni is the right guy. His offense is so simplistic, and it really limits James Harden because uh, even though he's good in this and his numbers are definitely inflated and higher than they would be with most coaches, I just don't think he's as effective as a basketball player because he is not running off ball enough. And then when they were doing the doubling, uh, he just completely lost all of his effectiveness because he's not doing like any floppy sets. He's not getting like any pin down screen set for him. He's just kind of standing there and waiting for the ball to come back to him. And it just m- makes him so much less effective than he could be. And it's frustrating to watch when he's su- such a talented player. Uh, one of the most talented offensive players we've ever seen. And he's just almost ineffective just due to a double team. Uh, and then you got Russell Westbrook on that massive contract that I don't see anybody trading for because uh, Miami was the te- the other team that was in contention last year. It would make zero sense at all for Miami to trade for him. And then I just don't see any other place that fits both teams because the Rockets still want to be good unless they want to blow things up, which I don't think they will. Uh, I think they'll still want to be good. So even if a team like the Knicks would be super desperate to get a guy like Russell Westbrook to try and get some star power, what are you going to get from the Knicks? Julius Randle? Like, it just is such a stuck position that they're in. And they've gone so deep into the small ball thing that I don't really know where they go from here. Like, they're not trading James Harden. I don't think they can trade Russell Westbrook. And that's just not a good fit. Like, it can kind of work, but I don't think it's ever going to be a championship level uh, of like chemistry between the two. And I would love for them to get a center for sure, like an actual center. I do like the idea of small ball, but I just think going so all in on it is, isn't a good idea because your guys are going to get tired. If they could even get a guy like Aaron Baines, which would still allow them to run five out, still allow them to have a spacer at the center, 
I think that'd be a great move for them. Maybe he, they can get him on their uh, mid-level exception, and then they would still have some size, some interior presence, but still a guy who can space floor and shoot threes. So I would definitely like that move for them. But really, other than that and then the coaching change, I just don't know where they go from here because uh, other than Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they really don't have any assets on their teams. Uh, they're, they don't have any picks, really, because the Steffian rule is going to uh, have them not having picks for a while. I know their pick is traded to Denver for this year, and then they have a bunch of picks going to OKC. Uh, Eric Gordon is on that extension, which uh, in hindsight – and at the moment was a really bad move for them for sure uh and then guys like robert covington are is a guy you'd want on your team and even if you're going to trade him he's making like 12 million who are you going to get at that price who's better and fits better than robert covington i don't know pj tucker is uh like 36 and he's on a one and he's on the last year of his contract they don't really have any young guys they're their young guys, Chris Clemens. No one's gonna trade anything for Chris Clemens. He's five nine. Like they're in such a stuck position because they cornered themselves so much and put so much into the small ball experience uh, experiment that I just really have no clue how they can do anything to improve their team other than switching coach. And even with a new coach, I don't know. I think that'd probably get them better because they could have a more creative offense that isn't so stagnant. But is it championship level better? I just simply don't think so. And it's a really just tough situation for them to be in because there's nowhere to go from here, really. And they're going to be stuck in cap hell. I mean, James Harden and Russell Westbrook are, are both on Supermax contracts, are both going to be making over $40 million Uh P.J. Tucker's making like 8, Robert Covington's making around 12, Eric Gordon's going to be making around 16 to 20 for the next like 4 years. It's a really tough position to be in, and as their GM, I honestly don't know what I would do other than trying to get an actual center, a guy like Aaron Baines, maybe try and trade uh, for a guy like Miles Turner, but would the Pacers want Eric Gordon? Like... It's just such a tough situation to be in, and I really have no clue what they would do to get better than they are now, and it's so weird. Like, I just have no clue how where to go that's up. I don't know anywhere to go but down, to be totally honest. And I think sooner rather than later, it may be time to trade James Harden, which is tough and is harsh. But, I mean, with with him on your roster, you're always going to be a good enough team. And then with the lack of assets you have, you're not going to be able to take that championship level. And, I mean, if you're fine with being a first and second round exit and being uh, deep in the luxury tax... I mean, I guess you can keep him and keep Russell Westbrook, uh, but if you want to go any in any direction that has a championship in your future, I just don't know how you can keep those guys on your roster. To be totally honest, because you're just like I said, you're in just such a terrible cap situation. You have two super max guys that are going to be being paid ridiculous amounts of money, and especially with us not knowing what's going to happen to the salary cap. That's even scarier for them. Uh, so they're in one of the worst positions in the league, to be totally honest. 
And that sounds weird because they have a top 15 to 20 player in Russell Westbrook and then a top uh, a top seven player in James Harden. Uh, but I just really don't know where to go that's up. I don't know how they can become a championship-level team. I don't know who they're going to sign as a coach. I mean, they could try and find an assistant. They could go with a guy like Nate McMillan. And, yeah, this Rockets future is looking pretty ugly. One of the ugliest futures in the league, in my opinion. Uh, next, I want to talk about Celtics-Raptors Game 7. Oh, man, what a game this was. This was an incredible game. Just an incredible series overall. Uh, I think it was what everybody expected out of the series. I always had Celtics in 7. I mean, when they went up 2-0, I, I thought it was going to end in, in 6. But it ended up being in 7. And this was just a phenomenal game. Everything you'd want from it. You had some huge performances. Uh, even though the box score, just as far as like percentages, looks a little ugly for Jason Tatum. Him shoot, shooting only 9 of 23. He did hit 4 of his 8 threes. Uh, got a massive uh, rebound uh, when there was a missed free throw. His playmaking has really taken a huge step. I've been so impressed by his playmaking. Uh, it's just something that I love to see so much because that was really the next step. And I think that was just the biggest thing, other than him being uh, just more consistent overall. I think that was the next step for his game was to be a better playmaker. And he's really been stepping up and showing that because he's already an all-defense level defender. His uh, three-point shot is phenomenal. He's great at getting to the basket. Uh, his mid-range game is great. He's a pretty solid free throw shooter. He's a good rebounder. So just seeing that playmaking taking the next step is something that really makes me happy as a Celtics fan. And then uh, Jalen Brown was great this game. 21 points on great efficiency. Uh, he was playing amazing defense like he has on the whole series. He's been playing such good defense on Pascal Siakam. Uh, was forcing turnovers, got four steals. Uh, really nice performance from the young duo. Uh, definitely need to see Kemba Walker be better as we go into the next series, though. He's been pretty cold these last couple games, 5 of 16, 1 of 7 from 3. He's getting a lot of the same looks that he has all season. Like, he's been getting open on that those pick and rolls where he's usually so deadly on, but he just needs to start hitting his shots. And Marcus Smart had the most Marcus Smart game ever, where if you just look strictly at the box score, you're like 6 of 15, that's kind of ugly. 2 of 10 from 3, that's very ugly. Uh, but he got six assists, he got three steals, and obviously he had that massive block that everybody knows about, uh, the chase down on Norman Powell, that was an incredible block, a huge play, uh, the Raptors could have tied the game on that play, so it was just so massive to see him step up, uh, Grant Williams had some huge def defensive possessions at the end when Daniel Tice was fouled out, was really impressed to see the poise from a rookie, uh, even though he did miss those two free throws, which was very scary, uh, he still had an impressive performance, and overall, it was just a very, very solid game from the Celtics. It was exactly what I expected after uh, these guys playing so many minutes. I expected it to be an uglier game. Uh, the Celtics shot under 24% from three, uh, shot only about 40% from the field. Uh, that's just exactly what I expected out of this, because I expected everyone to be so tired, and they definitely were. You could definitely see the fatigue. Uh, Pascal Siakam continues to be just terrible he was so bad this playoffs uh, this whole bubble as a whole he was just really really bad and it exposed the reason why I never had a ton of belief in this Raptors team was I just never believed Pascal Siakam was the 
was the guy that could be a number one on a championship level team. Uh, even though he's a very, very good player, he's a very solid player. He just doesn't have enough moves. He doesn't have enough shot creation. Uh, and he's not just a good enough player. He's not even the best player on his own team. Uh, so I thought, I always thought the comparison between him uh, and Jason Tatum was ridiculous. The comparison between him and Ben Simmons was ridiculous. He's a level below those guys. And I just think we completely saw that during his playoffs. Uh, he got absolutely clamped up by by Jalen Brown. His three-point shot was terrible uh, this whole playoffs. And then his defense wasn't even impressive either. So he really just was, wasn't a big factor at all. Like, it's not like he was locking up Tatum or something. Tatum multiple times just blew past him, got open on those side steps. Uh, Jalen Brown got past him. Like, it it was a embarrassing performance from Siakam uh, during the series. Truly, truly, really, really bad for him. Uh, definitely need to see him get better in the offseason, which I'm not uh, questioning if he will because he's continuously showed that he can get better and that he's a hard worker. So I need to see him get more moves. Uh, everybody's making fun that he only has that spin move, but it's kind of true. He really just doesn't have much that he can do on the offensive end other than run and transition, be a catch-and-shoot player. And we just really didn't see that Pascal we saw at the beginning of the season where he was super hot. Uh, hitting threes off the dribble. I just think that was more of an anomaly than uh, what was consistently to come because he really wasn't that great for the rest of the uh, season, to be totally honest. Cooled down a ton, and it didn't really show uh, like in the Raptors' record because guys like Norman Powell stepped up huge. I think he had a month where he was averaging like 22 to 25 points per game. Kyle Lowry was great this season. Fred Van Vliet, Serge Ibaka. They just have so many pieces that that didn't really show. But I think just the lack of having a true number one championship guy uh, was the biggest reason and definitely showed why the Raptors lost this series. Uh, but other than that, Fred Van Vliet overall had a pretty solid game. Uh, but that shot at the end was absolutely terrible. You saw without Kyle Lowry on the floor due to him fouling out uh, that they just really had no clue to what to do at the end of the game. And that was something I talked about a ton. And I really hammered in on uh, when I was previewing this series is just how would the Raptors close out games? And I think we just saw it completely uh with that last play, it really just summed up uh, that as a whole because that was one of the worst possessions. You would think that was just like a random possession in the second quarter, not the play uh, with their season on the line. That was terrible. Uh, that shot missed by so much. It was just really bad. But overall, he was pretty good. His future, definitely interesting Where to see uh, to see where he'll go. And then Kyle Lowry, after having such a phenomenal series, I mean, he's still going to do Kyle Lowry things, force turnovers, get charges. He got a, a big charge on, I think it was Marcus Smart, uh, but he only shot 5-15, 1 of 6 from 3. He wasn't hitting those tough shots uh, that were huge for the Raptors in previous games, and then he fouled out too. Uh, he only had like two fouls going into the fourth, and he fouled a lot in the fourth. It was, it was very ugly basketball from the Raptors. Uh, it was just pretty ugly basketball on both sides which is again what i expected uh very reminiscent of like the cavaliers versus warriors game seven when you look back at it 
uh, if you just watch the whole game and you don't watch like the highlights of Kyrie hitting that crazy three, LeBron getting the chase down block, it was actually a really, really ugly game where both teams just didn't perform that well. And that's kind of what we saw here. I mean, Serge Ibaka continued to kill the Celtics like he had the whole series. He was great. His future is also interesting. Uh, Norman Powell was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I love this series so much. It was such a fun one to watch, even though as a Celtics fan, it stressed me out a lot, uh, but it was what I expected. And yeah, I loved it. I'm excited for the next round for the Celtics because uh, I think this team is great. And with Gordon Hayward coming back, I think it just makes them even more dynamic. But yeah, really enjoyed this series. A great seven game series. And this is just what playoff basketball is all about. Uh, moving on, I want to talk about the Raptors' future because this is something that has been interesting to me this whole uh, this whole year, just as a whole. Uh, but especially now that they're eliminated from the playoffs, because they have a lot of a lot of decisions they need to make. Uh, Fred VanVleet is up for a contract. I honestly don't think he'll be back on this team. I just don't think it's a smart decision for them because he will get a contract from somewhere else. Uh, a team like the Knicks, if they don't if they don't want a guy. Uh, like Tyrese Halliburton in the draft would love Fred VanVleet. Uh, the Pistons, I could see offering Fred VanVleet a big contract. Basically, anyone with money in need of a guard, I would definitely see offering a contract to Fred VanVleet. And I just simply don't think it's worth them uh, matching that. So I think he'll be on another team next season, even though he's been phenomenal for the Strafters team. He just came off his best season where he was one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Uh, was just overall very good score for them, good defender, very solid playmaker. Uh, but I just think that has ran its course and that he's going to get too much money for the Raptors to offer, especially with the unknown of where the cap is going to be and them already having Pascal Siakam uh, signed to a max contract and then Fred Van, uh, Kyle Lowry being on a big contract too. They have Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol's free agent, so that, that'll be another big decision for them. Uh, I could definitely see them letting go of Marcus All, or I would expect them to just re-sign him on a very small contract for like one year. Uh, I think Serge Ibaka definitely, though, is a massive, massive piece for them uh, just because he's been so solid. His ability on the pick and pop, he's still a good shot blocker, and I just think he's very, very valuable to this team. So I think it's massive for them uh, to re-sign him, especially depending on Marcus All's future because we've seen... Uh, him pretty quickly decline uh, so I don't really know how good he'll be next season even if they do re-sign him so I think it's massive uh, for them to re-sign Serge Ibaka and I honestly that'd be my first priority as the Raptors just because I think Fred Van Vliet will be gone uh, even though their offseason definitely starts with Fred Van Vliet and what they want to do but I just don't think it's the right move for them to keep him even though he's such a great player for them uh, and then just their future as a whole is interesting I expect people to step up because that's just kind of what the Raptors do. They'll find someone undrafted. They'll find someone in the G League. Uh, they'll have one of their own players step up and make a huge jump because that's just the Raptors' mo um, mojo, and that's kind of what they do, especially now with Nick Nurse. That's their next man up mentality is kind of how they always been. Uh, so maybe OG Ananobi takes a leap. Uh, maybe Pascal Siakam really becomes the number one guy. Uh, but their future just is interesting because in 2021, uh, depending on what they do this offseason, they can have a ton of money and be uh, a team that could get a max contract. But I don't know if uh, one of those players who's worth a max contract will go to Toronto. And that's 
the very interesting part. Uh, so their future is very up in the air. I mean, they it's nice for them to know that they have a coach secured. That will be great for them for a long time. Uh, they have Pascal Siakam, who hopefully can become the number one option. But even if he doesn't become the number one option, he's going to be a great second option. They got nice role players on good contracts like Norman Powell. They still got Kyle Lowry, who's their heart and soul of the team, uh, the leader for them for so long. They got OG Ananobi, a really nice uh, up-and-coming 3-and-D player who uh, really impressed for most of the series. And he could become uh, better and better. He's uh, being better and better each season. You got guys like Matt Thomas, who's a sharpshooter, who can come in and play a couple minutes. You got guys like Terrence Davis, who was undrafted and really, really impressed a lot of people this season. Uh, and I just like this Raptors team as a whole. I love the culture they've built. Uh, I think this draft will be important for them to try and find uh, their next guy that could help their team. I would love if they uh, got a guy like Alex. Uh, I don't know how to say that last name. I, I'm just going to continue to call him Alex. I did a scouting report on them. I had the Raptors as one of the best fits for them because I think he has a ton of potential. Uh, there's a lot of guys in this draft who have a ton of potential for sure that I would like to see them draft because they do have a later pick. And even though this uh, class definitely doesn't have the star power of any class recently, uh, they have a lot of really nice role players. And with the Raptors, a team that has proven so many times that they have such a good uh, development team and they do such a good job of just putting players in the best situation possible for them to succeed uh, maybe even with their second round pick they could get a guy that they put in the g league for a couple of years i just believe in this raptors team i believe in the infrastructure uh, they've built i was believe in masai ujiri because he's been so phenomenal for them and even though their future is a bit up in the air, uh, they may take a bit of a fall next year just because they're, they may lose some key pieces. Uh, I still think they can be a solid team, and then they can definitely look forward to that 2021 offseason, which would be one of the biggest offseasons uh, for every team, but especially for them, and they can try and get their star right there. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about Nuggets vs. Clippers. Okay, I am back to talk about Nuggets vs. Clippers. Now, to be totally honest, this series has completely shocked me. Uh, when the Nuggets went down 3-1, I thought the Clippers were going to close it. I thought there was no chance. And then it looked like they were going to close it when in Game 5 they had a big lead. Uh, they had about a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter. And then the Nuggets went on an incredible run. Uh, Jamal Murray, even though his stats overall look pretty poor, with him shooting 9 of 25, he did hit some massive shots that were really pulling him back. Uh, Jokic uh, hit some big shots too. It was just a really, really impressive performance from the Nuggets coming back. Uh, they were down by a good bit, uh, and they were down for a while. It was... And then it was even worse just watching the Clippers. Because, I mean, the Nuggets did uh, impress me, and they performed well, and they closed the game. And they did play pretty well overall. I mean, Jokic had a good game. He's been incredible this playoffs. He's been so amazing. Uh, Paul Millsap had a good game, even though he's been struggling. Jeremy Grant was solid. Monte Morris was really, really good uh, in the minutes he did play. Mason Plumlee was good. Uh, everybody was just pretty solid for them. Uh, and then Kawhi was dominant this game. An incredible performance from Kawhi. He's been so good this playoffs. 36 points. Uh, hit 5 of 12 threes. 
He got nine rebounds. He was just great this game. Uh, Paul George was good this game too, which is the weird thing about the Clippers losing this game is that it wasn't even like Paul George had a bad game. He had 26 points, shot 40 per, uh, 40% from three, got six rebounds, six assists. Uh, was playing good defense. Like he had a good game. Kawhi had a good game, uh, but no one re- else really stepped up for them at all. Like Patrick Beverly was just fine. Uh, only shot two of six from three. Landry Shamit barely played. Uh, Lou Williams was really, really bad this game. He's been terrible ever since he's came back. Shot two of ten, oh five from three. Uh, Montrezl Harrell hasn't been that good since he came back either. And that was the thing about the Clippers is we were all. Uh, so hyped about their depth and the depth advantage they have over almost any team. But no one is stepping up for them right now except for Kawhi and PG. And that's scary because uh, it's not like Kawhi and PG are as dominant as a duo as LeBron and AD. But what everybody, well, what a lot of people thought would uh, put them over that edge of the Lakers and other teams would be their depth. And those depth guys need to step up because they are not playing good right now. And yeah, it's... It's looking, it's looking real, real rough uh, right now for the Clippers. They shot only 42% from the field, 38% from three, which is good. Uh, but the Nuggets shot 44% from uh, three, and they just outplayed them at the end of the game. They went on a huge run. Uh, they went on like an 11-0 run or something. And yeah, it was just a massive uh, win for them. Obviously kept them in the series and... Uh, now most recently they've brought it to a game seven but they were basically down the entire game Uh, I think that last stretch was literally their only lead Uh, but I mean they stepped up when it mattered most and the Clippers just don't look together right now at all Uh, and then their depth like I said their depth guys are just not playing good Uh, they're playing very very poor and then they basically need Kawhi and PG to go crazy every game and sometimes even then uh, they don't win, which is a scary sight. They need to play way better right now. Uh, and then in this game six, which pushed the series to a game seven, another game where they had a huge lead in the third quarter, I think it was, or the second quarter, I don't remember exactly. They had like a 20-point lead. And then Kawhi uh, was decent, but he didn't close it in the fourth like I expected him to. Uh, he still had 25 on good efficiency, but... Uh, but it hasn't been what he's been this playoffs, which is like 30-something on great efficiency. And then Paul George was very good this game, too. Hit all 11 of his free throws, hit four of his nine threes. Like, he was really, really good this game. He even had five steals. He had a great game. Uh, had 33 points. But, again, no one else stepped up for them. I mean, Lou Williams was actually decent this game. Uh, scored 14 points on five of 11. But when he isn't, like, going crazy offensively, it's hard to put him in there uh, just because he's such a liability on defense. And then Montrezl Harrell has been pretty terrible this series, to be totally honest. And he's not even playing that much anymore. Only played 15 minutes. Jermichael Green was good. But then Landry Shamit, 0-3. Patrick Reverly, uh, 1-2. of two. He fouled out in only 17 minutes. Avika Zubak, uh, he's not a stats guy, but, I mean, 1-6, of six, come on. Uh five one of five from marcus morris shot one of four from three like it was bad they shot uh only 41 percent and they just played terrible to close it out i think the nuggets went on like some they went on like a 20 point run or something uh i they went on a 17-0 run like that is crazy uh and like i said the clippers were up by almost uh 19 or 20 points at some point 
And then they just look terrible. They look so just like unfocused. They don't look like they're together. Uh, and it really is showing that chemistry, which is something that was a question because uh, they played such little basketball together. That is something that is showing to look like a huge problem right now because the Nuggets are playing phenomenal team basketball. Nikola Jokic, if you don't have him as your best center in the league, you should stop talking about basketball because Nikola Jokic is easily the best center in the league. He's playing insane this playoffs, and he always is a player who steps up his game every single playoffs and he's just continuing to prove that 34 points four six from three the way he's been hitting his threes it's impossible to guard him especially uh with the clippers with having avika zubak having jamichael green playing some small ball center uh having Montrez harrell they tried to put like Kawhi on him at a certain point and he's just too big he's way too skilled for them and like i said with the three-point shot it's impossible to guard him because Especially with that pick and pop with Jamal Murray, that is deadly right now. And Nikola Jokic is killing it. 14 rebounds, 7 assists, and then he just was a big reason why they went on that huge run. Jamal Murray was great this game, 9 of 13, uh, scored 21. Even though it's not a huge scoring game, he was super efficient, only had one turnover, was just really, really efficient with everything he did. Uh, Gary Harris was great this game, 16 on really nice efficiency. Such a great cutter next to Jokic, a player who really feeds off Jokic's phenomenal ability to pass. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was really solid in the minutes he played. Uh, he had those comments... Uh, talking about needing more people to get involved and he's proved that he had a huge three uh, the previous game and got a huge block and then he had another nice performance hit three of his six threes uh, the defense is still going to be a work in progress until next year i predict uh, but monte morris was good tory craig was good the nuggets just played great especially to close the game that second half was phenomenal they were playing amazing defense their offense was clicking like crazy. They shot 48% from three, 54% overall. They just are playing really, really good. And they're playing better than the Clippers. The Clippers just look so scattered. They look so just not together at all. And it's a scary sight right now because they're going into a game seven with a team who has all the confidence in the world right now. And is really pushing them to the limit and they're playing some of the worst basketball i've seen them play in a while because uh like i said like i said multiple times the scary thing is Kawhi and paul george are playing good and they're still losing to an inferior team and i mean uh it's a double-edged sword like the nuggets are also outperforming my expectations and playing great right now shout out to the nuggets shout out to the best well, probably the second best. I'll say second best big man in the league, Nikola Jokic. Only person beating him out is AD. Uh, but other than that, he's just been amazing this series. He's so good. Such a talented player. Uh, he's probably moved up on my player ranking. He fell down a little bit for me after a regular season where he was really good, but he wasn't anything great. Uh, but he's just kind of reminded me during this playoffs of who he is and how amazing he is. Uh, one of the 10 best players in the whole league for sure. And then Jamal Murray's taking a huge step. I just love the poise I saw from him this game where uh, he wasn't being incredibly aggressive. Like he only shot two threes, only shot 13 shots overall, but he shot great when he uh, when he did shoot. And then he hit some timely shots. He was hitting some really nice mid-ranges and they just had a ton of momentum and pulled off a game to push this to game seven. 
And next, I do want to preview Game 7, and I honestly don't know what's going to happen this game, because the Nuggets have uh, shown a resilience that's so impressive, and that I haven't really seen from the Clippers. They just seem way too nonchalant, they seem just so unfocused, and the Nuggets are playing incredible team basketball right now, Uh, they probably have so much confidence, even when... Well, if they go down, they're not going to be worried because uh, they've proven time and time again that they can come back from big deficits. And I I still have the Clippers winning this game. I just think Kawhi is too good. I think he's too good to let uh, the Clippers lose this game. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver did win this game. And if they do, that is a huge mark on the Clippers. Uh, that is a really, really bad sign for things to come. I think there would need to be change. Uh, there would, there may need to even be a coaching change because Doc Rivers, I think, has been one of the biggest issues for why the Clippers are underperforming right now. Uh, they would definitely need to play more together next year because I, I think that's proving to be an issue, uh, more of an issue than I ever thought it would be. And yeah, this is this is scary right now. Uh, they're in deep waters. They're in a bad position because, like I said, the Nuggets are so confident right now. Jokic is playing the best basketball of his career. Jamal Murray is playing great. Uh, if they have guys like Gary Harris step up for them, Michael Porter Jr. has been really good in the minutes he's played. It's just a scary thing when you have an underdog team who has nothing to lose because the Nuggets even pushing this to a Game 7 is them uh, beating everyone's expectations. So they have nothing to lose, and the Clippers have everything to lose. I think the pressure may be getting to them because they were so many teams' championship favorites. They made huge moves. They invested a lot into this team. They traded away their entire future, basically, uh, for this team. So if they lose, that's going to be a huge issue because they invested so much into this. They spent a lot of money. They traded all their picks, and it's it's a tough situation to be in because the Nuggets— win or lose overachieved this season they played phenomenal uh and like i said they just have nothing to lose and they're playing so together right now uh they just look so much more like a team a really a team out there like the way they're moving off Jokic, the way they're cutting uh getting open threes it's just so impressive and he's really the general that i think that's the thing that the clippers are making are missing right now is that they don't have that true floor general and they don't really have a fluid offense it's a lot of like Kawhi mid-ranges uh paul george off the dribble threes they don't really have like sets that they can consistently go to and just get easy baskets when uh right now denver is destroying them with these backdoor cuts uh these moving off the ball setting pin down screens and then Jokic at the helm of it and at a certain point, too, Denver's just hitting tough shots. Like, Jokic is just overpowering people and then hitting tough shots. He's destroying them in the post. They have no one who can guard them in the post. Even though Zubac is big and he's strong, he also just doesn't have the skill to guard Jokic. And then Montrezl Harrell is just way too small. And then if they go a small ball lineup, uh, he's going to destroy anyone in that. So it's it's scary for the Clippers. I'd be terrified for this Game 7, uh, even though you got one of the... Uh, best closers in the whole league and a guy who I think is the best player in the world so I would still be uh, confident that you can win especially if Paul George is playing like the way he's been playing Uh, but this Nuggets team has nothing to lose their team who really plays team basketball and yeah I'd be scared Uh, 
we're going to see a huge Game 7 on Tuesday. And it's going to be really, really exciting. It's going to be, uh, I think, one of the most exciting games of the playoffs. I really hope we don't get a disappointment. And honestly, uh, even though I had the Clippers picked as my uh, champion, I would not be mad at all if the Nuggets win because I love Nikola Jokic, one of my favorite players in the league. And it'd be really cool to see an underdog team who was counted out in both of the series uh, after they went down 3-1 in both series. And that'd just be crazy for a team to go down uh, 3-1 twice and win both of those. That'd be so exciting. And them not truly having a defined superstar, even though I think Nikola Jokic is reaching that status soon. Uh, it would just be so much fun. They have an ascending guy in Jamal Murray. They have a rookie who is so much fun to watch in Michael Porter Jr. And yeah, it's just so exciting because a lot of people don't like this uh, Clippers team. Reasonably so because Marcus Morris is annoying. Patrick Beverly is annoying. Montrezl Harrell is annoying. Uh, and even though I love Kawhi and think he's amazing, I wouldn't mind to, at all to see him go down, even though it would be disappointing to not get Lakers-Clippers at this point. I don't even know if I want Lakers-Clippers with how bad the Clippers are playing. Uh, but yeah, I think the Clippers will still win this Game 7, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets win. And even if the Clippers win Game 7, I'm scared of them facing the Lakers in the future, to be totally honest. Uh, just due to them not playing good basketball right now, simply simply enough. Uh, next, I want to talk about Heat versus Celtics. Now, this is a very, very exciting uh, series coming up. A lot of people, like always, are sleeping on my Celtics, saying that we're going to lose in like five or six, which I just simply don't think is the case. I think people don't realize that even though the uh, they beat the one seed. It was more of a matchup thing than anything. Like, obviously, the Heat are a very good team. They're very talented. Uh, they have one of the 10 to 12 best players in the whole league in Jimmy Butler. They have a lot of really nice role players. They have Bam Adebayo, who's one of the most versatile defenders in the whole league. Uh, I just don't think people realize the reason they were able to beat the Bucks so handedly is because they had the perfect recipe to beat the Bucks. They matched up perfectly. And then the Bucks matched up terrible to this Heat team. They matched up so bad. But this Celtics team and this Heat team both match up well to each other. It's going to be a war. I think this is going to be another Game 7 series. I think Gordon Hayward coming back is a huge X factor for sure because that brings the Celtics a whole nother, uh a new playmaker, uh, brings them... A lot better scoring also just improves their depth uh even if he's starting which honestly i don't know at this point if he'll start but if he does uh, start i think he'll be a really nice piece for them and if he does come off the bench i think he can be an amazing six man uh bring in some nice scoring and just bring in some steadiness that they could use because even though i love marcus smart he's uh, very inconsistent and very sporadic uh so i think gordon hayward coming back is going to be a big x factor to the series uh, these teams both have wings that can match up on each other. I'm sure we'll see a lot of uh, Jalen Brown and Jimmy Butler. We'll see some Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler. We'll see Andre Iguodala, uh, Jay Crowder matched up against these young wings. And I think they're both going to do a good job on each other, uh, even though I think both will perform well just because they're su such talented players. Uh, and then you got the point guard position, which is interesting because neither of them are really good defenders. And obviously, Kemba Walker is a better player, but Goran Dragic is currently playing better. And then the center, they definitely beat them out on. Uh, and then depth, they do, even though I think depth, especially in the playoffs, is overrated. And then the, you have two of the two of the three best coaches in my in, 
in my opinion, in the whole league, uh, in Eric Spolster and Brad Stevens. This is just a really, really exciting series as a whole. Uh, and I think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to be a battle. And I think it can come down to a thing like how good Gordon Hayward is when he comes back. Uh, if Jason Tatum can continue to be the playmaker that he is, uh, if Jimmy Butler can continue to play the great basketball that he is, it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a close one. Uh, and again, I think people are really, really underrating the Celtics. I think people are just sleeping on uh, them and how good they match up to this Heat team. Because the issue with the Bucks is that they had the perfect defender uh, for Giannis, and then they had a much worse coach. Uh, Mike Budenholzer is a way worse coach than Brad Stevens, and the biggest issue is that he didn't make any adjustments. If the Heat are running this zone uh, that has proven to affect teams in the past, Brad Stevens will make at least try to make an adjustment that will help uh, fix that, and Mike Budenholzer simply didn't. So I got the Celtics honestly winning this in seven games. I just think they have too much star power. I think Kemba Walker is going to have a better uh, series for sure. And I just believe in guys like Jason Tatum. I believe in Jalen Brown. I think Gordon Hayward is going to be really good when he comes back. I think Marcus Smart is the gritty guy that literally every team would want and the guy that may not look great in the box that uh, the box score but has all the intangibles, is going to make all these big plays. Uh, and I just believe that the Celtics team is a better team. I do think it's going to be a close series. I think it's going to be incredibly close. Uh, but I have the Celtics winning in seven and moving on to the finals. And at this point, I may have a Celtics first Lakers finals, which would be so exciting. Uh, but I w wouldn't even be uh, too mad to see the Heat in. I mean, obviously, I'd be mad for my Celtics to lose. Uh, but the Heat are another team who has a great story, uh, who is so much fun to watch. And yeah, I'm so excited for the series. It's going to be another series like the Raptors series that's going to stress me out a ton. Uh, but I think we're going to see great basketball. I think we're going to see two of the best coaches thrash it out and two of the best teams in the East who are playing some of the highest level basketball thrash it out. And it's going to be a war. I definitely have the Heat probably winning the first game because they have the rest. Uh, they have the more time to prepare. Uh, but other than that, I just think the Celtics will bounce back. And I think the Celtics are my Eastern Conference champions. I have them winning in seven in a seven-game war against the Heat uh, where the teams will just be going back and forth. It'll be a blood bash where you see uh, both teams have phenomenal wing defenders. Both teams have uh, very solid point guards. Obviously, the, uh, the Heat have a better center. And, yeah, it's an interesting one. I got the Celtics winning at seven, but I wouldn't be surprised by either result. And I think this is going to be a phenomenal series. So, yeah. Uh, that's it for my preview on Celtics versus Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Moving on, I want to do some week one takeaways for the NFL season. I'm not going to touch on every game, but I'm going to touch on the games that I watched and just some things that interested me in these games. First, I do want to talk about Ch Texan Ch Chiefs as this is one that I watched very intently as it was the only game uh, on when I was watching. And the biggest takeaway for me is that Clyde Edwards Hilaire looked phenomenal uh they were really handing the ball off to him a lot and the chiefs obviously were already scary uh they won the super bowl last year and they didn't get any worse uh and they only got much better in clyde edwards hilaire it's gonna be to me like when they had uh kareem hunt and that is terrifying that is so terrifying them having patrick mahomes tyreek hill travis kelsey 
uh, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and a defense that looks better? This is terrifying. I definitely have them going back-to-back. -back. I had them going back-to-back -back before I even knew Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was going to look this good. I thought he was going to have a very solid rookie season, but he was truly dominant, and they were ready to give him that ball. They He ran 25 times for 138 yards, got a touchdown. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's very versatile, and man, it's just so terrifying to see the Chiefs get even better. That defense looked better, even though the Texans' offensive line is very bad, but the defense definitely looked better, and yeah, they got one of the most dynamic offenses of all time now with Glad Edwards Hilaire looking like a dominant player in the future I that was a great pick for them at the end of the first round to get such a talented player like him uh who's versatile who can do different things and then a player who they definitely believe in uh Damian Williams did opt out due to uh, COVID-19 concerns and honestly, Andy Reid was probably excited by that. He's like, yeah, I can just give Clyde Edwards Hilaire the ball way more. And he made the most of every opportunity he got. And he just looked phenomenal. And it's, like I said, man, terrifying. Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and a good offensive line with a defense that looked better than last year. I just don't see how any team can beat them, to be totally honest. The Chiefs look absolutely terrifying uh, next game i want to talk about is bears versus lions now this was a pretty interesting one as the lions uh took the lead early and looked like they had this game secured uh but mitchell trubisky actually had a really really good second half pulled this team back uh definitely pulled them back in the fourth quarter uh but the lions did chop a game-winning touchdown which was tough to watch especially due to the uh, due to the fact that it was their rookie, DeAndre Swift. Hopefully that doesn't hurt his confidence too much, but that was definitely probably a stinger for them. Uh, but this was a really fun game. The Bears played better than I expected. Mitchell Trubisky definitely played better than I expected. And overall, they just performed pretty well in that fourth quarter. Uh, had a really nice comeback, and yeah, it was a nice performance to see from the Bears. Next, I want to talk a little bit about Jets versus Bills. And oh my god. Uh, I expect I expected the Bills to be good. I expect them to win this game pretty easily. But oh my God, the Jets look horrendous. They made Josh Allen look like Patrick Mahomes out there. The Jets looked terrible without Jamal Adams, and then that offensive line is still horrid. Sam Darn Darnold didn't look good. Le'Veon Bell can't really run because that offensive line is so bad. Uh, even though they got Makai Becton, who I really like, uh, and then the Bills just outperformed them so much but man do the jets look bad 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 i didn't expect them to be good they're just not a very good team but they looked way worse than i expected it was embarrassing how they came out and yeah josh allen just dominated them uh their defense completely shut down sam darnold sam darnold looked horrendous uh moving on to the next game i do want to talk about is colts versus jaguars now this was my definitely the biggest surprise of week one for me as I expected the Jaguars to be absolutely terrible, but they actually beat a team that I think is going to be solid in the Colts. I mean, Phillip Rivers 
is Philip Rivers. He threw a terrible interception, which he's going to kind of do, but he still had a decent game overall. I think he threw another interception too. But was what was more impressive was the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew had a phenomenal game, only had one incomplete pass, had three pass, passing touchdowns, was just so efficient with everything that he did every time he got the ball. And it was just, like I said, a really impressive performance from Gardner Minshew. He played great. 19 of 20 for three touchdowns like that's a great performance from him and maybe the Jaguars can outperform my expectations which I don't even think they want to do because it looks like they're definitely tanking uh but it is nice to see a team that I expected to be bad get a win and this is what you love about the NFL is that a lot of unexpected things can happen and a team like the Jaguars who basically everybody thought was going to be the worst team in the league uh, can beat a team like the Colts, who uh, basically everybody thought was going to be a very solid team. Uh, next, I do want to talk about Packers versus Vikings. Uh, we saw a vintage Aaron Rodgers-type game. He looked great this game. And then that duo of him and Devontae Adams was absolutely dominant. Uh, the Vikings defense could just do nothing about that. It really showed uh, their biggest uh, lack, which is the cornerback position. That has definitely declined for them a ton in recent years, and they just couldn't uh, guard Devontae Adams at all. I was very happy that I have him on my fantasy team because he played incredible, had 14 receptions, a ton of yards. He just played great this game. And then Aaron Rodgers, like I said, vintage Aaron Rodgers-type performance, really just looked like uh, the old him. And then they got a very solid running game in Aaron Jones. Uh, Pretty solid defense, even though the Vikings... Uh, did play decent on offense. Kirk Cousins had a solid game. And overall, it was a pretty fun game. Uh, and it was just a really impressive performance from the Packers to beat a good team like the Vikings and look great throughout it. Moving on, I want to talk about Patriots versus Dolphins. Now, Patriots are my favorite team. And this was so much fun to watch. Uh, I always loved the Cam Newton pickup ever since we got him. But it really just came to fruition, and it was so much fun to watch. Even though Tom Brady is the greatest uh, quarterback of all time, greatest player of all time, uh, it's still just exciting to see this whole do dynamic that the Patriots have. Because him and Tom Brady actually have a similar game in that they throw a lot of underneath. But then Cam Newton has this running ability that brings this whole new creativeness that Bill Belichick has never been able to unlock. We saw a ton of read option, uh, a lot more play action. The running game looked really good. He looked healthy. Uh, He was just running over people. He's so big and so strong that he's elite on the uh, QB sneak. He had a big QB sneak that was uh, very big. And then the rushing, again, looked so great. I loved what I saw from the read option from him. He was passing well. I uh, was very solid whenever he did pass, and it was just a really impressive performance from him. Uh, the defense looked great like it did last year. They got uh, multiple interceptions, the best cornerback in the league. Stephon Gilmore got an interception early, and uh, also Nikhil Harry looked pretty solid. Uh, he did have that really bad fumble that went out of the back of the end zone, meaning that it was Dolphins' ball which was ugly to watch. But other than that, he looked a lot better. Uh, I think he's in for a big season, and that was uh, a nice uh, foot to get off of for sure for him to have a good first game. And then Tony Michelle looked really good. It was just a really impressive performance by the Patriots. They uh, looked like they're going to be really good this season. I think Cam Newton's going to have a great bounce-back season. I think he'll be 
as long as he's healthy, because obviously the health is a big thing, as long as he's healthy, he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And it was really fun to watch him. I'm so excited for this rest, the rest of the season as a Patriots fan, and I think he's going to do great this season. I think he's going to do big things. Uh, I definitely want to talk about Eagles versus football team. Now, football team really, really impressed me. Uh, their defensive line looks terrifying. I knew their defensive line was going to be good because they got Ryan Kerrigan, very solid player, and then Chase Young, generational talent, the best player in the, in the whole draft uh, last year. But their defensive line gave the Eagles a ton of problems. The Eagles' offensive line also looked bad. Uh, but the pressure they were bringing at Carson Wentz was really impressive. Uh, they definitely made him struggle, made him have a very bad game. And it just looked like Ron Rivera uh, was doing a great job of coaching them on the defensive end. Their offense was uh, not great. Dwayne Haskins definitely didn't have a great game. But their defense really carried them. Uh, and they played much better than I expected and beat a good Eagles team. I definitely need to see the Eagles play better because Carson Wentz is so talented, but they were just giving him absolutely zero help. They were getting destroyed on the offensive line. The receivers just weren't getting that open, even though Jalen Rager did have a massive 55-yard play. Definitely a disappointing performance for them to lose to a pretty bad team. Uh, But like I said, football team uh, looked a lot better than I expected, and if Dwayne Haskins uh, can be what I did expect from him this season, which is to have a very solid season. Maybe this team can outperform my expectations because this defense with Ron Rivera, a defensive-minded coach, uh, could continue to be solid. And if they can get their offensive act together, maybe they'll be a better team than I did expect this year. Uh, Next game I do want to talk about is Buccaneers versus Saints. This was a game I was really, really excited for. uh, But Tom Brady definitely didn't look great this game. Uh, he had two interceptions. One of them wasn't really his fault. It was just uh, some miscommunication between him and Mike Evans where they really weren't on the same page. Uh, and then the other one was just uh, a player jumped it. it uh, he probably should have had some more velocity on the ball. And then Gronk looked really, really rusty. He looked pretty slow. Uh, and then overall, the Buccaneers just disappointed me a little bit. They looked really good on that first drive. Uh, They scored, and it just looked scary with Tom Brady having these weapons, but I definitely need to see him play better. And I was just disappointed overall by them because it's not like the Saints had a great game. Drew Brees wasn't uh, as good as I would expect him to be. It was a battle of two old QBs who look like they're starting to really uh, decline. And then we definitely saw Alvin Kamara play great. Uh, Definitely deserved that big extension that they got him. Such a versatile player, such a great player. And yeah, overall, I was just a little disappointed by the Buccaneers. Hopefully they can bounce back and be as good as I expected them to be. Last game I do want to talk about is Cardinals versus 49ers. Now, this was a really, really exciting game to watch. Uh, The Cardinals performed very, very well. This is a team that I was... Uh, one of the most team, one of the teams I was most excited to watch this whole year. I love Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray is phenomenal. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was an absolute beast. Uh, that duo is going to be great for years to come. DeAndre Hopkins was so good. They still got Christian Kirk. Uh, they still got Larry Fitz, who's as consistent as they come, even though even in his old age. Kenyon Drake is a solid starting running back. And just like I said, Kyler Murray is a great quarterback, already one of the better quarterbacks in the league, has a phenomenal arm, is great at uh, evading pressure. When he does run, he's very fast. And I think the Cardinals are in for a really, really good season. I think they're in for 
nearly a playoff season, in my opinion. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins being that true number one receiver for them is just a whole new dynamic for them and makes them a lot better. And then they their defense also looked pretty good. Uh, they performed well against a good 49ers team. They scored on one of the best defenses in, in the league, 24 points. So overall, it was just a really impressive performance by the Cardinals. I'm not super scared about the 49ers. George Kittle uh, got hurt towards the end of the game. And overall, they just didn't look great, but I expect them to be better. The 49ers are a phenomenal team. I was just more impressed by the Cardinals than I was disappointed in the 49ers. Uh, But yeah, that is my week one NFL recap. I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of the Under Pressure podcast. Uh, And it's been Michael. Peace out.